I'm going to ask you to turn this morning to Joshua chapter 2. We're going to travel with Joshua, but I'm doing a series called Turning North, as you can uh, probably tell. I have just, let me just speak a minute about uh, Brother Irby, I just saw you over here. Good to see you. So many of you, I probably shouldn't call any names, but I just, uh, I, I wanted to, I'd like to just kind of unmask the enemy for a minute. Um, how many of you know that there's a warfare going on in our minds, or for, I should say, for our minds? And in what we see in this particular society, is the last two years is a lot of fear and uncertainty. So I want to say for the next several weeks after today, and including actually two weeks before and and a couple of weeks before that, and then last week beginning this series, um, I want us to have the concept as we journey with this series, I want us to travel making applicable the things that I speak about to us individually. Because, ladies and gentlemen, God deals with us individually. And then as a family, I want to tell you, the family is the most important institution on planet Earth. And that's why Satan tries to so destroy it. And not only as individual family, but let's travel as a church. But I also want us to come from this perspective of the Word of God as we travel these weeks. I want us to do this with our mind and our heart on our nation. Because I want to tell you something. We need to know God has it all in control. We need to keep that in mind. And I prepared these, I'm still in working, and I, let me tell you, I have a problem. I accused our ch- children's church guy last week. He gets great ideas, and he starts, and then he adds to it, and adds to it, and adds to it. I have to tell you, I'm as guilty as I can be. That's uh, just part of it. But I want, to, I want to try to be as practical as I can because we have a future, and we're going to be traveling in our future, uh, with the Lord. We cannot stand still. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But I want you to come with a concept of listening and let the Spirit of God speak to your heart individually and then even out to the nation and the world. I just want to say that because of these, I have really uh, had a mental battle. I have had, I would just say, the black breath of Satan trying to do everything he can to make me question what I'm going to say and what I'm doing and all those kind of things. I guess rather than to, it's difficult sometimes to keep a positive direction in your mind. How many of you know that? It's difficult. But we have to win that battle. So instead of succumbing to it and and thinking that everybody's going to be upset and all those kind of things, let me assure you of this. I take it as a compliment that I must be a threat to the enemy when Satan fights. So, 
immeasurably. The truth is, I woke up about five this morning, and for two hours, I just absolutely had a major attack on the enemy. But I just want to say, here I am, and here I stand, and here we go. <laughs> How many of you want to be right in the smack middle of the will of God? Father, I pray for this people and us. It's your church, your people. But I love them and I ask you to lead us and guide us in all of what stands in front of us. For Father, you are the God of the future and you're the God of life. Anoint us to speak your word and especially, Lord, to hear the Spirit, each one of us. For the glory of our Christ, I pray it. Amen. The first Sunday was traveling in chapter 1. It was with Joshua where... We emphasize the point was God says, get ready to move. God had not changed his will even 40 years in a wilderness. The, the Israelites were to have this promised land. God does not change his mind even though we sometimes are in disobedience. God wants us to fulfill his will. How many of you want God to fulfill his will in your life? Let me see your hand. Hold them up just a minute. So listen, I, keep your hand up. If you, you want to fulfill God's word in your life, I want you to look around because I'm going to really punch us, okay? Are we willing to live God's will even if it's against our own? Because most of the time, our will will conflict the Lord's if we follow self. I set you up good, didn't I? See, that's why you don't want to raise your hand all the time. Forgive me. I just, I just understand that we say, I surrender all. And to that song, I think, and I hope it's not a miscredit, D.O. Moody said years ago, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. <laughs> I surrender all, and next thing you know, somebody crosses and that will stands right up. We didn't surrender anything. And maybe you know this book is practical. And let me move on before I get in more trouble. That was, we got to move. We have to prepare to move. Get your mind, your heart, things. God has things in store for us and for you, your family, your life. So today is prepare to see. This is the second one. When God desires for us to move as groups or believers forward in his plan, we must prepare that move like we said last week. But I want to say something to you, saints. I want to say beloved saints. You cannot travel with God and stay where you are. It is certainly true spiritually. Sometimes it's even physically true. I believe right priorities are God, the family, the church, and then the job. And I know that there's just one of those will things, but I, I want to tell you, God blesses us when we honor his, honor his will in the middle of ours. Every church, every believer should desire to move in harmony with God and his plan. Joshua 1, prepare to move. Joshua 2, prepare to see. So the two spies, there's two spies here. They are set out to view the promised land as a part of preparation for the Israeli takeover, if you will. However, the spies saw soldiers... They saw the land, they saw the city, 
they saw the walls, they saw all of its fortification, but that was not the only thing they saw. And here's something I want to be important to us as we travel today. What those spies saw as they were preparing is what we will see when we prepare to move with the Lord also. Point one is this. God, here's what they saw. Here's what we should see. God was already moving in Canaan. As, let, me, let me read it. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. Somebody recognized them, found out something. Verse 3, So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Uh-oh. Oops. We'll come back to that later. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. And where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. Uh-oh. Isn't this strange? Verse 6, but she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax. Let me just say that scholars say this is, of course, a time of harvest, and the flax on the roof was materials that they would soak in water and then dry out for roofing. And it also depicts the fact that, that Rahab and her family were involved in farming and raising crops, and they used the roof because they lived on the outside of the wall to help make their living and provide things they could sell. Just something to note, because a week or two from now, we're really going to understand more about that. And so she laid in order on the roof, verse 7. Then the men pursued them by the road to Jordan to the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. So you get the picture. She says they're gone. The soldiers try to chase them. They shut the gate behind them, and they're after these two spies. So before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, watch what she said. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you have utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. I want you to look at the word, our what? Hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven. 
above and on earth beneath. That ought to make, that ought to make any Christian shout. <laughs> I want you to think that with me. I think these guys must have been stunned. The first point I want to make is this. God was already moving where they were headed. And Israel responded to God as they did in faith. They found that God was already out in front of them to secure what he had called them to do and the directions he had given them to go. God was literally out front of them setting things in order for the time when he was going to hand this land over to the Israelites. Young people, mom and dad, as we move in faith in our lives with what God has in store for us, God does not sit idly by, leaving us on our own to work out all the details. Satan will come and he will try to get us to work everything out within our own reasoning. He will say, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this, you should do that. And and I, all of us have been through those, as I mentioned this morning, those battles for the thinking in our minds. But let me tell you, God already has the details out there. That's why I said earlier, if we're willing to follow the will of God, it may be at the expense of our own will and our own thoughts because let me just remind you, God's ways are beyond our ways. The two spies saw God already in Jericho, and they saw that he was at work on their behalf. How many of us can have confidence in the Lord today that he already knows tomorrow and the next year and the next? God knows it all. And How many of us will confess with our mouth and our heart today, God, I will trust my future to your plans already made. If we can't say that, we might as well sh close down shop. What are we trusting in, if not him? So the first thing I want to say under this, under this moving, already moving, is this first thing, A, I guess. God is in Jericho preparing. God is in your future right now preparing. Listen to their words, verse 10. For we have heard... I want to ask you a question. Where did Rahab and the inhabitants of Jericho hear that news? Where did they get that information from? Perhaps travelers who came through the trade routes across those areas. Maybe a revelation through someone, God himself. Where they got the information is not what's important. What is important is this. They knew. They knew. And more importantly, now the spies know also. So I want you and me to become those two spies. We're going to travel. Our lives are in danger. This is, this is major, major assignment. And if they find us out, we will surely be put to death. Let's put it in its perspective. You and I are, we're the spies. What are we going to be dealing with? You think about that. Think about that. Here they are, perhaps a bit of the news with that knowledge that the spies just received, the spies knew God was preparing the way for Israel to take that promised land. So he was preparing them. Secondly, God was ensuring them. Verse 11, the first part, our hearts melted. 
neither did there remain any more courage in anyone. By Rahab's own confession, the spies witnessed the impact of the news, not only upon their assignment, but upon the place that they were taking over. And the spies certainly grew more courageous when they saw what God was doing. I want you to understand something. You may not be able to see too far out front today. We may not know about tomorrow, as a songwriter said, but I want to tell you something. God's already there, and he already has it. It should be good news to us to give us confidence. God's already got this. He already has this. When you see what God is doing, it should give you courage. I happen to love Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I think he was an awesome president. But listen to what he said one time. He said, sir, and I quote, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Would God we had a president today that would get that concept? Would God we'd have some White House leaders and some national leaders and state leaders of people to get that concept again. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, what's important is that we are on the Lord's side. I told myself I wasn't going to do that. I, I owe myself an apology. <laughs> Number three, watch this. He was not only preparing, ensuring, he was convicting. Verse 11, the second half. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. This is what the spies already knew. And now the inhabitants of Jericho also knew it. So I'm going to tread out on, on it again. I would to God, America would understand this concept again, that the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Amen. Amen. So God's moving. Secondly, their faith is increasing. I want to read verse 12. Follow with me, chapter 2. Now, therefore, I beg you, this is Rahab, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my mother, my father, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So then... The men, so the men answered her, the spies, our lives for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that he will deal kindly, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Their faith is increasing. Notice the spies entered the land having no idea what they would find. They may have, I think I would, and you and I would, if we were, we might be guilty of some anxiety. We might even fear. But with Rahab's words, these spies could see a witness, not only in the natural, but in the supernatural, that God was at work. He was literally setting things up for them to take that nation. Ladies and gentlemen, Young people, mom and dad, let us see the spies' faith increase because we 
are in this journey with the spies right now. Listen to us and what we can learn from the spies as it happened to them. Number one, the spies' faith, anticipation grows. Their anticipation grows. The spies heard, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness. I just wonder what in the world the spies thought when they heard Rahab say, I have shown you kindness, now you show me kindness. What is this that they are hearing? What is this? This is a strong city. It is fortified. It, it, it has withstood all of its attackers, all of its enemies. There are major, trained, numerous soldiers. And here's a lady inside that city requesting kindness from us. Let's see. If we go in, could cost us our lives. We have to get some courage, and we go in there. And when we get there, the people that we're coming against say to us, "Be please be kind to us. I doubt seriously if the spies were expecting that. I think they're expecting to be taken out if possible. So watch their anticipation grows. Secondly, their expectation grows. Verse 13. And spare my father, mother, brothers, and sisters, and deliver our lives from death. I don't think they expected that, but look, look at the, the onus that she put on them. We're the spies. Our lives are in danger. We hear God's moving. He's already there. And not only after she said that do we anticipate that you want kindness out of us, our expectation grows. And again, imagine what they thought. She said, be kind, and now she is requesting mercy. Does she know that they will, does she know that Canaan will be defeated? Can I tell you, she knew it. Here's the thing. Look at the past 40 years and look at the past years ever since Egypt. This nation somehow knew what God had done in Egypt. And it, we read it, crossed the Red uh, Sea. And all the things that God had done, water out of the rock, manna out of heaven, even quail. God has miraculously taken care of one and a half to two and a half million people. And I want to tell you, that is a heap of caring. <laughs> Pardon my expression. Watch this. Catch this, and now they want us to show them kindness. Now they, they are, are they telling us they know they're going to be defeated? Their expectation. And then lastly, the spies, their assurance grows. 14, verse 14. Notice what they said. Because of the, what they heard and because of what they saw, they now say, when the Lord has given us the land, we will deal kindly with you. Ladies and gentlemen, the spies were seeing what God can do right in front of their eyes, and their faith grew immensely. That was the spies. I want to tell you something. I don't want you to be without hope. I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to take assurance. I want you to anticipate. I want you to expect the fact that God is already there, and God has already taken care of about 90% of the issue. 
Thank you, Lord. That, Ladies and gentlemen, with God, there is no such thing as impossible. So God is moving. Secondly, their faith increased. Thirdly and lastly, others' faith is influenced. I'm going to read at verse 15. Follow me. This is Rahab. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, and her house was on a city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Go to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days. That's significant when you read through Joshua. These three days were important. So many scholars talk about the reason for the three days. I'll discuss that in a week or two. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. Then the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless, unless, listen, we ought to take our shoes off. Whether you know it or not, here's some people who are under the concept we know what God's going to do. We know this nation is evil. And read about it. You'll find out Canaan became so evil, God said, you have so disobeyed, it will cause your own destruction. And it's mercy. Don't sit here and tell me that God wipes people out just out of... That is not the case. Go back and read the history and the history and the history and the history. Read it, ladies and gentlemen. The Canaanites were a pagan, God-defying people. And here they are. Notice this. We're about to watch. We're about to watch the pre-incarnate Christ walk right across the page of the Old Testament. We will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you bind this line of what? scarlet cord. It could have been green. It could have been purple. It could have been blue. It could have been orange. It could have been, is there a fuchsia? I don't know. Whatever colors those are. But it was a scarlet and it wasn't a rope. It was a cord. Oh, man. I'm going to let you study it, but I'm just going to tell you something. This scarlet cord is a cord that comes from all the way to Genesis 3, all the way to Revelation. And we pick it up here. This is the Christ. This is the mercy seat. This is the door. This is the shed blood. And it's, and it's seen right here in the God's Word. You put a scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, their salvation, and unless you bring your father, mother, brothers, and all your household into your own home. Let me see if I've read far enough. No. Okay. 19. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and he will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid upon him. And if he tells... if. You tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. Watch these words. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to stop and say nothing surprises God. When the COVID hit, he didn't say, oops, I didn't see that coming. 
He didn't say, oh my, what is this? I've said it so many times. God doesn't say, oops. God doesn't say, uh-oh. I love the fact Jeremiah said he wrote the ending, and then he wrote the beginning to match it. There ain't anything this God doesn't know. God's even numbered our days, and he knows the numbers of hair on our head, and I've learned God knows how to subtract. <laughs> We're going to believe this book or not? Wow. When the spies saw God at work, not only was their faith increased, they saw others begin to believe and trust in their God. Ladies and gentlemen, a Christian genuinely filled with the faith of God and living in God's will, I believe, will affect the world around them. And I just want to say in 2022, as we see the hand of God go before us and take us into whatever future He wants, we will also see God moving upon the hearts of others. It's part and parcel. He's given us an assignment it's called a great commission. You go tell them. I think the, they ought to see it in your life. And when the opportunity happens, we ought to be a witness and affect others' lives as we travel. Rahab is an observation. Rahab is clearly impacted by what is happening. And she has been changed. It would be much safer, let me just declare to you, it would be much safer for me to bypass the rest of this and just leave it alone. But how many of you believe that God wants us to deal in truth? And I think we must. This is the part that the enemy doesn't want me to speak about. And not that any of it is, but here we go, okay? Folks, Perhaps the church needs to hear. How many of you have been serving God more than 10 years? 20? How many of you are glad that's as far as I'm going? That's it. <laughs> Let me tell you something about traveling with the Lord. You can become accustomed to things. And you can get set in patterns. Some call them ruts. <laughs> we can get set in habitual thinking and habitual traveling and everything about life. And the more familiar we get with it, the more we cherish it because it gives us maybe a psychological sense of security. But in it, sometimes we can even be blessed. How many of you have been blessed of the Lord? And sometimes blessing can be not only think we get thankful for it, but sometimes we can almost expect it. And sometimes we take, and we have to measure this and keep it in balance. Sometimes we receive blessing of the Lord, and it makes us feel a little more spiritual than others. Oh, Jesus, don't go there. Yeah, go in there. One of the things I've noticed about in the years I've been a pastor and have been a Christian, sometimes we have such high convictions, and granted we should. Granted we should. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes we have such high conviction that if there are those among us who break it or miss it or, or they happen to fail, we don't have any place to go. 
And I'm just going to tell you, one of these weeks we're going to talk about prepare to fail. You don't want to miss that message because it wore me out. <laughs> we, it's right we have conviction. It's right we have high standards, and I think we should live them. But when there are those among us that make a time of failure, let me remind you, Paul wrote very clearly, when you see a brother or sister overtaken in a fault, you restore such a one in the mercy of God, lest you too become a castaway. I know the answer to this. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have made a mistake in this place? How many of you have needed the mercy and the grace of God? How many of you are in need of it as I speak? I just want to declare to you that God works through ordinary, through the ordinary and unlikely people. I take tremendous encouragement in the fact that God does not depend upon magazines, newspapers, television, the internet. He doesn't depend on the most influential men and women in America. He is not dependent upon, he doesn't depend upon the great, what we call movers and shakers of the world. So watch me. Here's a very, I'm going to call it fascinating paradox. On one hand, God is the sovereign creator and sustainer of all that is. How many of you agree with that? He is the creator and the sustainer of all that is. On the other hand, God has at least to some degree limited his own power, maybe I should say his own control, by giving free will to all humanity. One of the things as I was studying this, I got on my face and I said, God, thank you for the right to choose. Thank you for free will. But Lord, I, I want to... I ask you to forgive me for taking a free will choice and causing it to limit you in my life. In Joshua 2, here's an illustration. Joshua sends these two men again to spy out Jericho. We need to remember that God works through ordinary people like spies. And he works through people unlikely, the unlikely, consider Rahab. Rahab had four strikes against her. Number one, strike one. Rahab was a Canaanite, not a Jew. Out from under the commonwealth of Israel, not under the promise. But because of her bold act by, be, by befriending the spies, she and her extended family literally became a part of Israel. It reminds me when Jesus was approached by the lady and asked a request and the Christ said, could not give the bread to the dogs. And she said, even they get crumbs. 
There's where I think God giving us a way to choose is a place where we are, every one of us should take advantage of what God offers. Strike one, she was a Canaanite. Strike two, she was a woman. In this ancient society, women were considered less than. In many parts of the world, they were second class citizen. In some parts of the world, they were even traded for as if they were objects to be owned. And sad to say, it is still today there are cultures where women are like objects to be owned. Let's state it plainly. Let's get it straight across the world. God created male and female, and both were created equal with equal rights. God, help us if we do not understand the value of God's system on planet Earth. God worked through this fascinating person named Rahab, who was also a woman. Strike three. Rahab was a prostitute. Oh, pastor, are you going to address that? Would you like to swap places with me in the next few minutes? <laughs> Perhaps it doesn't bother us that God would work through a Canaanite and understanding the culture, not everybody could be an Israelite. And in a godly plan, maybe it doesn't bother us that God can work through women. But the idea of God working through a prostitute, perhaps a madam, maybe more of one who ran a brothel. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to stress something this morning. God sees potential in every single one of us. And God desires to make the most of all that potential. Some may resist that truth. Pastor, surely you're not condoning sin. Not at all. Some may resist it. But others struggling with guilt. And thousands and millions who are struggling with broken dreams. Will find enormous relief and hope. In what God can do in their lives. No matter what. Their past. Rahab is probably out of economic necessity, earned a living as a prostitute. Rahab lived on what we might call the edge of society. But, church, God has a way of reaching and working through. Unlikely people. You tell me this. Who needs the physician more? The truth is, read it in the New Testament. Jesus literally attracted these kind of people to his inner circle. He was not glorifying sin. Neither am I. 
But I want to tell you something. Don't take your criticism and sometimes feeling spiritually superior to the place that you do not believe, that you don't believe that everybody is equal in the kingdom. Strike four. Rahab was dishonest. Some people excuse lying in some situations. Pastor, you're not going to say that. Yes, I am. Don't we? <laughs> you may not have heard it, but I heard people groan inside. <laughs> she was dishonest. We get, we get in situations where... I just want to tell you, honesty will cost you. I have to tell you that I struggle with this as an ethical dilemma. At what point, I must ask in 2022, I must ask at what point is a situational ethic part of biblical witness? I read and I'm instructed in the scripture. Let your yea be what? And your nay be what? So knowing that I, I have free will, knowing I make choices, understanding the mercies and the values of God, I read and I'm instructed, let the yea be nay, or yea be yea and the nay be nay. I must choose a strict interpretation of biblical admonition toward honesty, absolute, total, without regard of situation, circumstance, honesty. That's what our nation has totally Lost. I declare to you today because sin is in the ascendancy, truth is dead in the streets of the United States of America. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I want to tell you something. Hear me, God has not, will not change his standard. That's why I want to say, young people, it is still a sin to have sexual intercourse before marriage. It's a sin. It's forgivable, but you better make it right with repentance. I'm feeling pretty lonely. It is, it is recorded in the Word of God that He created a male for a female and a female for a male. And anything other than that is an absolute abomination to the Creator. And He has the right to set the standard book because He's the Creator. Pastor, take a stand. I love them. The sinners are loved. They need to hear the truth. There's a scarlet cord that's accessible for whatever your sin is and whatever your failure is. And before we judge her too harshly, let me just tell you, Rahab has a major message. I think 
we should live of all people. Listen, I've told the truth sometime knowing that it'd be taken wrong, knowing it would cost me friends. But I dare not lose the friend that has washed me and cleansed me and saved me. I think we have to move into integrity. Yet, here's a strange combination. Rahab the harlot, Rahab the liar. And at some time, Rahab is a person of faith. I have a study Bible, and I will just tell you when it starts on chapter 2, right under the heading chapter 2, it says, the faith of Rahab. (laughs) I have no question that Rahab changed both her profession and her ethics as she threw her lot in with God's people. Yes, Rahab was on the outermost circle of faith. She knew very little. But the nearer that she came to the Lord, the more she would recall from her previous lifestyle. Yes, absolutely have no part in sin. I believe the New Testament says, shun the very appearance of evil. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what the internet puts out. I don't care what we get from the headquarters of all the universe. I don't care about Spock and his way to raise children. I don't care about the education system in the sense if it goes against this book. But I want to tell you something. The scripture says, shun the very appearance of evil. Those are not my words. Those came through the Father. We flirt with it and flirt with it and flirt with it. It's okay. You know what, teenager? Run off from parents or, or, or college student, go and have a halal time and act like a barnyard animal. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God will not change his mind. He loves you. There's a scarlet cord, but it's still sin. As we travel, every one of us Every one of us, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me, every one of us as we travel should fall on our knees and our face and be grateful for the grace and the mercy and the long suffering of a God who says, I will love you no matter what. Because I have been among the greatest failures I know. Pastor, You, listen, I'm not anywhere near the best Christian in this room. But I am repentant and I am under the blood. Rahab traveled an amazing pilgrimage. She married, she settled down and raised a family. Listen to this. She settled down, raised a family and she actually became one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ on the side of Joseph. For instance, let me show you. 
she was one of only four women listed in the lineage of Christ. Read it in Matthew 1. She was also lauded as an example of faith. This woman's life is recorded in the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews 11, verse 31. And she is affirmed in James for her good works, James 2, 25. This is a Canaanite, this is a woman, this is a harlot, and this is a liar. Don't tell me that that scarlet cord did not affect her life. And it will affect yours. And it will affect mine. Joshua 1, prepare to move. Joshua 2 is prepare to see I want to just end by saying this. Our faith in following God will reveal the fact that God is already working in our future. Secondly, where God is working, there are others that we can influence. And thirdly, some will choose to follow God with us. Your life is a witness to somebody else. The last point is this, and I promise I'm through. Hearts were completely convinced. Look with me. Just want to read these verses. Chapter 2. I'm in verse 22. Then they departed, meaning the spies, and went to the mountain and stayed three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but they did not find them. For the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over, and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. These spies returned from their mission completely different men. They were completely different men. Because seeing God already way out in front of them in Israel's future completely convinced them of God's plan, God's power, and God's prize, His goal for us. Listen to their report, and I'm through, verse 24. Listen to what they said to Joshua. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. I'd like, to be, I'd like to be standing there with that report and in a sense in Joshua's shoes. <laughs> don't you know this traveler with the Lord was, don't you know he was anticipating hearing about the size of the army the ammunition the weapons they had the chariots the numbers of soldiers these walls that were some 30 something feet tall they say some 32 feet wide there were homes under all those walls I think I read that two and three chariots could be driven across the top of them can you imagine being the leader and these two spies come back and instead of hearing all 
instead of hearing about all the sides of the all the walls and the, so they said their hearts are faint surely God has given them into our hand would that encourage you as a leader would that would that not speak to you and say Lord <laughs> would that not confirm to you I just want to say something and I'm through today in 2022 you and I in this place serve no less God. We serve no less God. How many can identify with having made a mistake? Let me see your head. I tell you what let's do. Let's just, Pastor, it's in the past. Let's just, I'll just tell you, I made a mistake this morning listening for a while to Satan until my wife helped me. She said, don't you recognize where that's from? We fail. What do we just, let me pray for us. Father, when I look at the frailty of humanity, I far more appreciate the sovereignty and the omnipotence and the holiness and the purity and the majesty. Of a holy God. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul wrote it in Romans. We've all sinned. There is none righteous among us, no, not one. Father, we failed you. And even though we asked before, Father, come today, I pray in every soul in the sound of my voice, whether online or in the sanctuary, whether in the future, God, will you forgive us? Your word declares you will. We repent, Father, of a wayward journey, a time of failure. I've learned to cherish Paul's words, Lord. I was forgiven. So many things we do in ignorance are tremendous tempting. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally right in the middle of the failure. And Father, may we cover it today. And may we rebuke the devourer and the lies of the enemy and bring him back to this day if necessary. February 6, 2022. I ask the Lord to cover it in His blood. And Father, I will endeavor to travel with you just like Rahab did. But I want to travel with you in victory too, Lord, just like the spies did. Go before us. Show us, Lord, not only the natural world, but the supernatural world. For Father, you have things for us to do. And what's going to be a great, wonderful day used to sing it when I was a child, when the redeemed come gathering in, washed and free from sin. I will shout and I will sing the day the redeemed come gathering in. I'm so glad I belong to you. I'm so glad, Lord, that I have been cleansed, called a son, 
name recorded. Father, as we travel with you, no matter how much future or maybe how little before the sun returns, may it be, Lord, declared that we will follow in faith. And we will turn, Lord, from whatever way causes us to fail and we'll move toward true north, which is the absolute love of a God of eternity. And I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Would you say with me in Jesus' name, amen.